Real Nerds is a proud partner of the Denver Podcast Network. In the shadow of the mountains, we, we speak. speak. Coming to you from the X Access, it's John of All Trades with your host, John X. Welcome, welcome, welcome to this John of All Trades podcast promo. Each Wednesday, I bring you a brand new interview with someone fascinating and ask the question we all ask when we meet someone new. Hey, what do you do? It's fun, informative, and it's the 2017 Westward Reader's Choice Award winner for Best Denver Podcast. iTunes, Stitcher, and johnofalltrades.us. Oh, hi, podcast listeners. There's many ways you can listen to the Real Nerds podcast. You can subscribe on iTunes. You can also subscribe on Stitcher Radio. You want to send us a Twitter message? You can do that. It's so easy, at Real Nerds. Like us on Facebook, Real Nerds Podcast. You can visit our website, realnerdspodcast.com, where there will be a lot of articles for you to not only read, but to listen to our previous shows. You can also call us, 720-6Nerds5. Thanks for listening, and enjoy the show. Hi, this is Brian. No, that's this is my announcer voice, and you're listening to Real Nerds Podcast. Should I do this as my real self? Oh, shucky darn. Hi, this is Brian Cummings. You're listening to Real Nerds Podcast. Okay, do it straight. Hi, this is Brian Cummings, and actually, you are listening to Real Nerds Podcast. Send money and real estate. Welcome to another Real Nerds Podcast interview from Denver Pop Culture Con 2019. Hope you enjoy. Welcome to Real Nerds Podcast live on Denver Pop Culture Con 2019 show floor. We are with Robin. Robin, hi. Hello. I'm super excited to be here with you guys. Awesome. What brings you to Denver Pop Culture Con? So I am an author. Um, I write as R.S. Dabney, um, and I have a, a series out right now that is, I kind of feature parallel universes, the duality of man, um, and I'm also here um, advertising for our podcast. I have one, it's called the Tipsy Nerds Book Club, and we are basically taking NPR's top 100 sci-fi fantasy of all time, creating drinks from the books or inspired by the books. Getting a little drunk and talking great sci-fi fantasy. So, um, you know, I, great that I ran into you guys. Yeah, that's no, awesome. So, as you do you read the books while you're drinking, or do you read the book, drink, and then talk about it, and then it becomes a lot more fun as the drinks begin to flow? Yeah, so I read the book sober, and I research some stuff sober so that I can have some really intelligent stuff to come into it with. Um, and if you listen to the show, there's times when we sound really, really wonderful at the beginning. And by the end, we like to describe ourselves as drunk uncle. And <laughs> my co-host Natalie and I sort of alternate. Like sometimes she ends up drunk uncle and sometimes I do. And the other sort of helps steer it. But um, yeah, we want it to be fun, but also still coherent. So we try to like <laughs> try to keep it kind of kind of together. But there's definitely times when when we lose that. <laughs> where, where did this idea come from? Yeah, so um, I met Natalie, my co-host, uh, two years ago at the El Paso Comic-Con. We had kind of become critique partners. She writes science fiction, I write fantasy. And she sent me an email maybe back in December and was like, hey, I've been wanting to do something that I'm collaborating with other creators on because writing is such like a lonely and solitary thing. And so we wanted to just do something that was so different from what we do, that's extroverted and connected to other people. And 
fun. And so this was sort of her idea on how to have fun in the creative world. Very cool. And so you're also a writer. And how did you get into the writing business? Yeah, um, I'm sure that's a fascinating question for everybody to answer. Um, I started writing when I was probably seven. I have some really ridiculous stories I wrote that you know, now are full of plot holes and, you know, my spelling was terrible. It's fun to look back on though. Um, <laughs> I started, I started my first book when I was in college. So I was 10 years ago and I sort of took things I was frustrated with in the world, this like lack of empathy toward people who are different, um, this hatred toward people who are different, who came from different places, backgrounds, races, and religions. And I'm 21 years old and trying to process all of this. And I was like, what has always been my go-to for sorting through emotions, feelings, and it was writing. And so I wanted to create an origin for why we are so bad to each other as humans and then solve it. And even if it's just for the course of three books, it was very therapeutic for me and also just a really fun way to, to tell a story. Did you answer that question? I mean, can anyone ever answer that question? I'm still working on it. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I'll let you know Thursday. Good. (laughs) Um, you know, I answered it for myself enough in a way that, you know, shows me that you can't answer the question. Actually, the question, here we go. The question was answered by, at the, the release of the second book in the trilogy, um, my book was called The Soul Mender, The Soul Mender Trilogy. Um, a woman came up to me and she said, Robin, you are your own soul mender. You know, you, it's not about somebody out there saving the world for us. It's up to each of us to be our own soul menders. And I thought, it was so simple and somehow that hadn't crossed my mind. Um, so, you know, I haven't answered the question, but I think the, the answer is basically that it's up to each of us to, to be better and be that person. Um, as the course of, um, from that 10 year journey where you're kind of trying to solve these different issues, obviously in the past 10 years, it's evolved into a much more complicated scenario worldwide. Yeah. Like has that kind of changed your purview on how you look at that particular story and, or how you perceive any future stories going forward? Definitely. So I, trying to figure out how to word this in a really good way, <laughs> in, a, in a way that won't offend people. Um, yeah, I mean, there's so many crazy things happening right now. Um, you know, there have been moments where I have felt like completely overwhelmed with how how much of my story actually had started to come true in ways. Cause mm-hmm. I deal with on the big scale in my story, I keep like the zeitgeist of the world as we have it now, the politics, religions, conflict. Um, and it's like the things I were writing about were coming even more true. And I got, I got a little depressed with it at one point. I couldn't write because I found myself writing or wanting to write what was in the headlines. And I felt like my story had been hijacked by the real world. Mm-hmm. And so it was hard to get past that. But once I realized, like, no, 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 I know this story. I'm the only one who can tell this story. And that has nothing to do with it. I just need to tell the story I set out to tell. Um, I was able to rein it back in. But that was a really hard lesson to learn. I think I'm sure all new authors go through that. And I'm sure maybe some of the big guys do, too, where you just find yourself hijacked by external forces that kind of need to stay out of it. Yeah, It's yeah. easy to kind of go in from that, like, I want to grab something that's relevant today take it and put it in my story and there's i mean i i love sci-fi in the sense that it is able to take relevant issues 
and kind of like distill it down into just an idea and then go forwards with the idea after it's been distilled. Yeah. So it sounds like you found a way to kind of like formulate that in your head and get past any writer's block that might have come from that and go push forward from there. Yeah, definitely. That's one of the one of the tricks they think to good storytelling in science fiction and fantasy is how do I share a message without being like didactic and in your face and trying mm-hmm. to prove my point because nobody cares about my point. They want to be entertained. Yeah. And if I can, I, I went to that panel yesterday on uh, like philosophizing in science fiction fantasy. It was Terry Brooks and John Scalzi and Pierce Brown. And they made, they, that was one of the questions that they talked about was, was how do you get your information out there without just shoving it down somebody's throat? Because yep. really nobody cares what I think. Yeah. They want to be entertained. And if I can entertain them and pass on whatever message I'm trying to do, I feel like that's successful it's storytelling. It's all about sneaking in the message yes, at that yeah. point. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I think it's interesting, too, though, that we have to use fantasy and sci-fi to deliver a message like that. Yeah. Where you think, to me as a person, I think you should just be a good person. And... Do you uh, see yourself as you, you said that you had to entertain people, too. And how do you keep that true while still delivering the message you want to deliver through a character, even though it's you? Does that question make any sense at all that yeah. I just said? I, I think that's one of the one of the things that you get better at the more you write. Um, I, I think, you know, we all know what is entertaining um, Netflix has been a really great resource, I feel like, even as a writer, because when you watch these serialized shows that have all these levels of entertainment, and if you study like television and screenwriting and all of that, even as an author, you can see how they break everything down, where they put certain things. Um, and honestly, one of the things I've used as a writer, and this is, I think, s- something that people are sort of shifting to, is how does it feel when I watch a series... And how do I write in almost an episodic way so I'm still sharing my story, but I'm writing it in a way that can connect to people who are my age. I'm 31, just to throw that out there. But, like, I mean, the millennials and and up are reading different things than, like, the Scarlet Letter and some of these old classics. I still love the classics, but it's like I talk to so many people who are like, I don't read. I don't like to read. It's boring. And so I think we have to adapt and change our writing a little bit. And that's not to say to water it down. Um, but I think if you follow modern storytelling techniques and how other people are doing it successfully, you can weave in those messages that are so important in a way that, you know, I don't know, fast car chases and explosions and guns. It's like what, you know, it's like an action movie, but with a, with a good message. You know, I think that's really fascinating too, because I, I agree with you. I think a lot of people now, especially with uh, social media blowing up it's not about the content of what you're reading a lot of times people see the headline and that's what they're tweeting or that's what they're right. sharing so as an author how do you get them past the title of your book how do you get them to actually get into the book and exp- and actually see what it's about Ooh, that's a hard one um let me know when you figure it out. <laughs> I don't. Uh, I was hoping yeah. someone smarter than um, me could figure it out you know it's one of those things um you really have to work on crafting your pitch and figuring out comic cons are great for that because I'm like, okay, these people did not buy this book when I said it this way, but when I change it and say it this way, everybody liked it. And so, um, really, you know, the hard thing is romance sells really well. Um, you can sell a romance book really easily. Um, you can sell, I'm trying to think dragons sell really well. When you write something slightly more obscure, you have to really figure out a good way to draw people in who aren't already, you know, invested in whatever 
specific mm. point of the genre that you're writing. Um, yeah, again, I do not have the answer to that. I'm still working on <laughs> how do you get people to actually, you know, crack the cover and discover your message? Um, right. Just have a cool cover? I don't know. Just have a cool cover. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I, and I have a great cover. My cover artist, Andy Blaylock, did a fantastic job. And I do have people who will come to the booth and say, wow, I just was drawn in by this cover. They're like, I don't want to buy your book, but I wanted to tell you the art is great. So, you know, it's, it's, I'm, I'm not offended at all. I, any appreciation for art is cool to me. Um, do you help pick the cover or does someone or do you have say this is what I want and go make it? So for this first series, um, I it's hybrid published, but basically independently published. Um, and so I had full creative control over basically everything. Um, I do have an agent now and I have a new series that we're working to sell. And so with that, you know, I, I won't have control over the cover, the title, the names, any of that. Um, again, to me, you know, people will say, does that, do you feel like that's sacrificing your art in any way? And this ties back into your, your first question. To me, no, because if, if all I have to sacrifice for, you know, a year's worth of my life is a title, a cover art, and some names to get out my message to a broader audience, that's not selling out to me. That's, that's finding a way to get air and oxygen into the life of your your story yeah no, I, and that's a term that gets kind of thrown around like candy at times it's like well if i can get the message out somehow like whatever hoops i have to jump through might be worth it in the long run right and, yeah and, I, I didn't write so that i could live in obscurity and hold on like clutching preciously every ounce of my artist's integrity. Um, I write because I have a message that I so deeply believe in and I love my story and I want it to be read. And so um, you have to be able to compromise and make sacrifices for that. that yeah. And you're in a, in a form where you have to embrace a collaborative effort because mm -hmm. you write the stories, but I mean, I guess someone else's job is to know what sells the story. Exactly. You know, they can say your book's good, but then they say, well, we need this title because this is what connects with people. And yeah. we know that. And so those are the people we should ask. Like, how do you bring them yeah, in the door? Yeah, that's a good idea. Because, <laughs> you know, my only barometer, we watch movies and um, we would hate watch the Fifty Shades of Grey stuff. Oh, God, and yeah. I thought it was amazing that that Anastasia could approve a cover. And then she like ran downstairs and is already in the window. And it was just amazing. Wow. You know, I didn't even think of the details. Yeah. Uh, or the, uh, see, when you uh, see, we watch movies and when you hate a movie so much that you're watching it. And you just see these little things that don't make any sense. You have, I mean, to, it's, ha you have, to, have to back up your argument. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> have it, you read the book? No. Okay, I started to read the book, and it was so terrible. Like, but it was grammatically terrible. And oh, that, my wife said that. <laughs> I even skipped ahead to the sex scenes, and my they wife were so poor. Like the grammar was so bad. I was like, I can't get into this. <laughs> what um, did my wife say? They say all the time. Um, Oh, she says there's a phrase in it that they say all the time, and it's really aggravating. Okay, I, I'm sorry, I, I can't remember. Fidelio. <laughs> <laughs> the one thing I did, like, uh, totally digress into Fifty Shades, though, but it, it's funny. Everybody hates on the author for this, and I don't blame the author because there was a publishing house who bought this and said, you know, we don't care about the quality. We don't care about giving our audience a good product. And they put this out here for the world to read. And so I fully blame, sorry, whoever you are, publishing house. But, like, <laughs> how, how inconsiderate to readers to just not care about giving us a good product. So, yeah. I just think it's bizarre that that was a phenomenon. And, yeah. Uh, my wife read the books, and so it was kind of our, like, Valentine's Day thing. We go, like, hate watch the movies. <laughs> and, I mean, it is the longest two hours of my life yeah because um, even like this like the sex in it isn't sexy no and so you're like what is this about it's yeah. just about i don't even know i couldn't even tell you what the actual 
point of the whole films were. It's like the Twilight movies. It's about a woman who gets into an abusive relationship that's not good for her. But it's okay because the man is but, damaged and sad. But, and rich. Yes, yes, and rich. But the <laughs> Twilight rich. movies at least had Billy Burke, and he was pretty awesome. Yeah. I mean, I, I could, I could, the, I could the do Twilight with the dad. movies have talent. They just don't have scripts. Yeah, I, the I don't know. The Fifty Shades movies, I don't know what's there. <laughs> so, as, so I guess as a good writer, is it aggravating to know that those books are really popular because I mean I don't even know how people caught on to them to tell you the truth. It's aggravating initially when you think like how have I gotten 45 rejections and 50 shades of gray as a worldwide phenomenon. However, it's like if you let yourself go too far down that aggravation, you will just like stop writing and, you know, get severely addicted to drugs and go down the path of every other author, you know, who went down that way. So I, to me, it's motivating. I look at it now as this thing like, okay, if, sh- if that can happen, <laughs> then I am like golden. I just have to figure out how to get my foot in the door and then I'm set. So so I have a question. So yeah. the, the sci-fi books you read and drink to, are mm-hmm. the drinks in the books or do you make these up? Okay. So yes, uh, for Tipsy Nerds Book Club podcast, um, we some of them lend themselves really well to uh, being boozy books. So like Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, Pangalactic Gargle Blaster. We created our own version of it, but we made a Pangalactic Gargle Blaster. Um, some of the books are much more kind of like dry, nobody drinks, none of that. And so then we just create something that's sort of loosely based or inspired by the story. So we did um, Thursday we had our episode on Watchmen release and I made a cocktail we called the Vigilante Justice and it's just it's like a black and white like half black half white and so it, like, it, it looks kind of like comic booky and yeah, it's awesome. so we try to like fit the feel um, for Hugh Howie's Wool I did a layered shooter. Wool is a like a dystopian series and he's got this silo underground that people live in and it's got three layers so I made this li- three layered shot that I then lit on fire to kind of represent the theme of the book and the layer <laughs> of the silo so it's a fun creative project for me too but sounds fun yeah what's what's the strangest concoction tied to tied to a specific book that you've uh come up with since then Ooh, that's a good question i'm trying to remember what was in the drinks um probably the pangalactic gargle blaster only because like in the book it's described as this like insanely boozy drink with you know phalian marsh gas and like the tooth of a tiger and it's like okay how do i create those things with real life stuff and so you know it's got like absinthe and vodka and um I have some fresh juices so it's healthy <laughs> uh, of course need some yeah. sugar in there champagne to represent the gas it, 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 but somehow it tastes really good so we you know we've had these things that have you know four or five liquors in them some of them and that's why we're like stumbling by the end but um <laughs> I'd have to go back and look. The recipes, we have them all online on our website and our Instagram and stuff. We do take pictures of all the cocktails oh, cool. with the books. And, and um, How many iterations of the cocktails do you have before you settle on that's the one that we're going to use? Um, usually, like, one. <laughs> Sometimes I'm scrambling the night before, and I'm like, oh, my God, what can I make that's going to taste good and match the book? Uh, we have made a few. I, my first Pangalactic Gargle Blaster tasted like, toothpaste and so it's like i can't give this to people it's absent it was it was the um the creme de menthe oh, which is yeah, yeah, not yeah. good it was beautiful for color but oh if you unless you like toothpaste don't drink it um sometimes it takes a minute sometimes they just come out really really nicely sometimes the photos take me a while to capture because i am not a mixologist by trade so you know i make it and it looks like vomit or something and i have to redo it for the photo but um you know that's part of the fun 
Nice. Very cool. Well, thanks for coming on, Robin. Absolutely. Where can we find you and where can we buy your books? So my books are kind of in a weird transition right <laughs> now. Um, I've got a potential opportunity for a publishing deal. So I'm actually pulling all of my books right now. So I am currently like an unemployed author. Um, <laughs> however, I'm RS Dabney. You can find me all over social media, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. And I will keep everybody updated to when I have new books released. Um, I currently have two series we're trying to sell, so cross your fingers. Um, but you can also find me, and this is where I'm active right now in the interim, um, Tipsy Nerds Book Club, that's our podcast, um, tipsynerdsbookclub.com, or we're on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and all of that as well. And you can find the podcast on Spotify, iTunes, wherever you get your podcasts, and it is free to download. Very awesome. cool. I'll have to take a listen to this. Yeah, Please. That's yeah awesome. we should that collaborate awesome. with you guys. Heck yeah, That'd I'm totally down. Um, well, thanks for Absolutely. coming on. Yeah, thank, thank you so you much. Bye. This has been another Real Nerds Podcast interview from Denver Pop Culture Con 2019. See you next year. Thank you for listening to this episode of Real Nerds Podcast. Real Nerds Podcast is a production of Nebulous Visions Multimedia. Thank you to Sparks Mandrill and Plan 9 Studios for our kick-ass theme song. Also, if you're in the Denver area and you're looking for a cool place to see movies, we see them at the Alamo Draft House in Littleton and now also in Sloan's Lake. Thank you to Colorado Coins, Cards, and Comics for supplying us with all our comic needs, especially you, Andrew. You know who you are. And a big shout-out to James's mom. I'm giving you an electronic hug that you can feel through the airwaves. Thanks for listening, and have a nice day.